everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star Racing. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 239 are open. This week on the show, we're under a week away from Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, so let's have a gut check on the game in Reggie's rec room. Nintendo's quarterly financial results reveal interesting data about the Switch's user base. And did Nintendo post a picture of Mario flipping the bird on Twitter? (laughs) Hope you're all going well. Hope you've had a fantastic day, a fantastic week, and you're having an awesome time wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast. I very much appreciate you joining me here at the House of Mario. And I'm really looking forward to getting into this episode. There's been a good amount of news as far as Nintendo goes, some great releases, and also a lot of hype as far as Pokemon at the end of the week goes. Very much looking to that. Um, because it's, it's been a game I've been looking forward to for a long time. I've been putting it on sort of the back burner, looking at it in the distance. And uh, like a lot of games and things this year, it's really kind of actually snuck up on me. So cannot wait for this week to... Uh, disappear, to be honest, in a Friday to um, just grace me with uh, Pokemon Violet. Very much looking forward to that. I don't know if I'll get to EB Games or not to pick up my physical um, copy, but I will be getting a, a digital copy, I know, on launch, so that's going to be awesome. Man, I'm just so excited. Can't wait to talk about uh, more about Pokemon later in this episode. So as far as my week goes, I've had a fantastic week at work. Just been really sort of positive and had a great weekend with the family. Um, it's just been a real nice time. I've really been enjoying being a dad over the last couple of months and I know I might sort of talk about it a lot on this show and you might be like, Joe, we don't give a shit, mate. Well, sorry about that, but it's just something that's just a major part of my life. <laughs> um, you know, as far as, um, you know, the positive positives and also like the things that make it a little bit harder to play games and whatnot as well. But that's all right. That's all right. Uh, some housekeeping before we start. I want to just point you guys towards my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash iDruby. You can check out the videos there. I did an unboxing for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the video versions of this very podcast. And the last episode, episode 238, actually had a really nice comment uh, by a YouTube user called Col- uh, Colby. And he says, Really enjoyed listening. I don't understand how you put so much eff- uh, so much into your production quality being such a small creator. Lol. Definitely earned a new sub. So, you know, just talking directly to Colby, thank you so much for leaving that comment. That really meant a lot to me. Um, I've got the YouTube studio app on my phone and it, and it buzzed up and I checked it and it really made my day, man. I really appreciate it. Because um, it's funny for me because I really, my I'm at the very start of my YouTube journey as far as, you know, learning editing and, you know, shooting video and all of that. And I'm really putting my sort of efforts for the end of this year into education and learning that stuff before, um, you know, work sort of, you know, the sharing season ends and then I can really put myself um, into making that content. So just the fact that, you know, first time person coming to my channel really meant a lot that you, one, enjoy listening to the podcast and two, you know, for those quality because it's going to get much better from here. We're at the very start of the journey. So thank you very much, Colby. I want to earn your um, sub. I want to just do you proud, my friend. So thank you very much. 
And of course, you can listen to the show on podcast services like you always could since episode one in 2017. And you can leave us a five-star review there as well to help support the show. And of course, if you'd like to further support the show, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash iDruby. From anywhere from a dollar a month, you can get two um, exclusive podcasts over there. Heaps Good, which I do with my good friend Josh from Nintendvania and a behind-the-scenes podcast called Secret Recordings where I sort of dive into my my brain as far as um, <laughs> thinking all this stuff um, up. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun with that show anyway. So let's dive into Guru Geek Out. This is where I pay tribute to my late friend Bobby Pauls, the Nintendo guru. Absolutely amazing man who spread posit- uh, positivity all throughout the Nintendo community. Someone a lot of us looked um, looked up at. Um, just a really nice, really nice guy. Really talented, opinionated, great fella. Um, love you, Bobby. So the first uh, thing I want to sort of give a shout out to was just an absolutely tremendous effort by some podcast groups as far as Extra Life fundraising goes. So a big shout out to Carpool Gaming, Save the Game Media and the Trophy Room for raising over $9,000 for Extra Life. And what was um, really special and personal about this fundraising effort, that all the... um, all the fundraising efforts were dedicated to Miles O'Neill, uh, yeah, um, who has Pfeiffer's syndrome, which is a rare genetic disease that mostly affects the development of the bones in the head and face. And this is um, this is something that just absolutely warmed my heart. Um, you know, Marcus O'Neill, um, Miles' dad, you know, posts pictures of him on Twitter and he's just... Uh, he, <sighs> Miles' uh, smile is just so beautiful and it, it breaks my heart for this poor little man has to, you know, spend time in the hospital, do multiple procedures. I could not even imagine. He's such a brave man. And just the, the fact that, you know, these, these people were able to help raise money towards kids like, um, like Miles to help out really, really warms my heart. I was able to you know, download a, not download, <laughs> um, donate a, um, no, a small amount, 25 American bucks towards the, towards the, um, the fundraising efforts, but just um, absolutely amazing effort. 24 hours these guys stayed up for playing games in Rome, New York. And uh, just, um, I wish I could be there, but it's the other side of the, of the planet. So uh, makes it a little bit harder, especially in my busiest time of year, of year. But I really wish I could have been there. Some awesome people that I've met online, I would have loved to shake hands with, have a bit of a hug, all of that. Because um, it's, it's awesome being able to do that at PAX within the Australian community. But as far as like the overall, like even the Nintendo podcasting community is very niche group, but some tremendously awesome people who I've met through uh, doing the show. So just a big shout out to those guys, done fantastic effort. And here's to next year, raising even more money for the big, beautiful kids. And I can't believe I missed this one uh, last week, to be honest, but this is a massive congratulations to my friend, a uh, friend of the show, and one of the, the best Nintendo podcasts out there, especially within South Australia. It's uh, Josh from Nintendvania. He proposed to his beautiful partner uh, a couple of weeks ago. And at PAX, we're actually sitting around in our motel room. And um, Josh actually said, you know, he, he revealed his plans um, that he had of um, what he was going to do to propose. And I was just absolutely stoked. So Josh, congratulations. She did say yes. I don't think there was any doubt that she was going to say no after... Um, a long time of living together in that, but 
you know, you never know. <laughs> but, um, man, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic sort of uh, part of your life. Make sure you cherish every bit as far as, you know, being engaged and in the lead up to the wedding. It's all very exciting, very fun, and you guys are going to have an f- amazing life together. So big congratulations, Josh. It's uh, I couldn't be happier for you, man. And the photos, like how you had like a surprise photographer in that, Good thinking. Awesome thinking. You've got those photos for for years and years. So congratulations, dude. And last but certainly not least is a big happy birthday. And I believe a happy 30th birthday to Sam Hay, longtime supporter of the house of Mario. So big happy birthday, mate. I hope you have a fantastic time. I um, If any of you, I know you've got three kids now. You've recently had had the third, I believe. But if... Uh, if any of those kids are around your birthday, I dare say you didn't get to celebrate whatsoever. I know Bryce is the same. His um, his daughter has a, a birthday the day before. <laughs> so his birthday doesn't get to turn into that much, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, big happy birthday, mate. Hope you're going well. Uh, so my week in gaming, it's um, like usual this time of year. I know this time of year is just like a bit of a write-off as far as... Um, some games go, but next week with Pokemon, I'm like, I'm going to make it work for Pokemon. Um, we've got like a, a Christmas um, pageant we're going to, apparently. We're doing a few things. So, power of Nintendo Switch, maybe I get Chantel to drive when we're going to these certain places. I'll, I'll work it out. Um, but uh, as, far, as far as this week goes, man, it's just been sort of keeping up with the Splatoon 3 Splatfest, which was the Pokemon-themed one. You get to choose between grass, fire, and uh, water. And today, it actually it actually just finished. So I chose Team Water. Team Water won in a landslide. I've never seen it so just drastically pointed towards one, um, one side. I think, um, I think Team... Team Water just won with like all the points. And I can't say I contributed uh, contributed much towards that, unfortunately. I only played a couple of matches. <laughs> so <laughs> I got quite involved in the last one. And maybe that's why I lost... Uh, <laughs> maybe that's why I lost uh, the last team that I chose. But um, is, yeah, cool. Team Water, let's go. <laughs> Pretty happy about that. Um, so let's move to the news, guys. Nice and uh, sort of... Uh, at a good pace. We've got plenty of news this week and it really actually kind of surprised me uh, because, I don't know, the last couple of weeks we've had like, I don't know, a couple of stories. I didn't even bother playing the little jingle we got here at the House of Mario, but this week, I think we can justify it. Let's play it. Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. Yahoo! My body is still so first up, we got a brand new Indie World Showcase and th- these are some of my favorite presentations that Nintendo do. I really enjoy checking these out, especially the handful of games that have um, same-day releases. You can go straight onto the eShop, spend 20 bucks or however much however much they cost and you can um, yeah play them there. I remember um, last year, Chantel and I went on our honeymoon and there was one like the day before we left to go to Darwin up in the Northern Territory here in Australia. And I think there was, there was like five games that launched on the day. I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I just like, I kind of just went, oh, well, I'll download this, that and that. And I enjoyed like a lot of the games that came out of that event and some games that I've never really thought of or never heard of before that moment and just fell in love with. And I think it's a, a similar situation with this one. Because um, for the most part, I 
I look at all the games, I'm like, there's probably only one or two I ideally wouldn't want to play. But, you know, with how many games there are, I don't think I'll be playing all of them. But I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, if you're interested, I definitely recommend going to Nintendo's YouTube channel, watching through it. It's only 24 minutes, so it's not too long. You can just sit down and uh, take in some, you know, cool games. You get some insights from the developers of the games, which is always great to just see, you know, faces to people's creations. Because um, I think we can forget that sometimes, especially with bigger titles, maybe from Ubisoft or even Nintendo, where we don't see the faces of the creators behind the games. But um, Nintendo do a really great job with the indie world. So let's uh, let's go down the list. I'll um, point out the ones that I'm excited about. And the first one is Sports Story, which is one we've been waiting for for a long time. It got delayed last year, and now it's going to be coming out December this year, so next month sometime. Hasn't got an actual date yet, but we might expect it just to be announced on Twitter, just shadow dropped. Might be a part of the Game Awards. There's lots of sort of possibilities when Sports Story could release, but it has me a little bit worried because December, it's it's pretty stacked, especially after like a, a pretty stacked um, November, but I hope they know what they're doing. I hope it's going to sell well. Australian developed, so, you know, I'm always root, like rooting for the home team um, as far as that goes. But, you know, um, Golf Story, it's, a, it's just like a cult classic on Switch. So I think a lot of people will be looking towards this game. But the blurb reads, Sports Story is a game about sports, <laughs> but not always. Various non-sporting pursuits provi- uh, provide variety. Alternative activities like dungeon ex- exploration, stealthy infiltrations, and fishing expeditions mean something unexpected waits around every corner. Sometimes it is even sports. And what they showed from the trailer actually looked really cool. So um, when it mentioned like dungeons, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Because you can imagine like a dungeon where they're actually using different mechanics from the different sports you're playing. Like you can imagine um, there's like a switch that you can't get to. And even like, I remember like in say Phantom Hourglass for The Legend of Zelda on DS, there might be a, a dungeon that utilizes the boomerang where you've got to like draw with the stylus. And then you've got to like, you know, curve it around this wall, hits a switch, opens the door, something like that. But you can imagine in sports story in dungeons, how like, I don't know, you could have your soccer ball and you could like rebound off of a wall to hit a switch, go through it, or, you know, just stuff like that, using the actual, the sports as the items to progress through these dungeons. So I'm really excited about it, man. I think sports story is going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's a pickup for me for sure, just to support the developers because it's, it's just... um. It's kind of a no-brainer just to support some of these guys. Next up that really stood out to me was Acker. And you play as like a, I guess like a, what do you call these? It's not a fox. It's like a panda fox. I'm sure the game will um, describe it to me. So this is coming out the 15th of December, 2022. And the blurb reads, find inner peace in a small open world game. On these carefully handcrafted islands, you can take a nap on a giant monster feed baby dragons, take care of f- f- uh, fauna and flora, but demons from your past might come back to remind you of what they, uh, what you want to forget. Um, but this really stood out to me personally because it kind of looked like um, a bit like Animal Crossing, for example. You know, you can go around, you can tend to your garden, you can do that, but you can also go on quests and meet characters and sort of just kind of do what you want to do. You're not sort of restricted by 
you know, it's not just an adventure game where you're restricted by progression or it's not just a farming simulator or an Animal Crossing-like game. It is very much just like, do what you want to do. You can go on a big adventure. You can just look after your garden. You can do this. So it really stood out to me, man. I'm, I can't wait for, for, for Acker. I, pre- I sh- presume that that's how you spell it. Um, but yeah, definitely on my radar for sure. Next up is uh, Pepper Grinder. And this is um, a Devolver Digital joint. And the blurb reads, Pepper Grinder is an action-packed 2D adventure blending traditional platforming with um, uh, alternate drilling mode that allows you to dive in and out of the earth like a dolphin swims through water. Shipwrecked or and robbed of her treasure, Pepper must spin her trusty sidearm to reclaim what the mischievous gnarling stole. Armed with Grinder, Pepper burrows through terrain and water, controls machines and... Uh, um, Pole drives all enemies blocking the way uh, towards recovering her missing fortune with interest. So it looks really cool, man. Just like a really nice sort of pixel art, art style and unique gameplay as, you know, you're using the drill to drill through the ground um, and how that utilizes puzzles and platforming as you're going along. Looks really cool. So this is sometime in 2023 and it's, I've got, I actually got like a press release for the game in my email box before I actually watched the director, Mike Pepper Grinder. Huh. But it looks really cool. Looks really cool. Um, what else we got here? Oh, this this was a cool one that stood out to me as well. So Destiny the Memories Between, this is coming out early 2023. And Destiny the Memories Between is a character-driven roguelike fe- featuring an immersive story, uh, uh, strategic turn-based tactics, and a me- metaphorical ball game. From the creators of Monument Valley, Desta, the memories between is a story of broken relationships and words left unsaid and the chance to explore your own dreams for answers. And it caught my attention because I really do enjoy Monument Valley. I think that was a fantastic game on iOS. Um, and if you have Apple, Apple Arcade, they actually have Monument Valley on, um, on that with the Plus version. Um, but yeah, a really cool looking game where it looks very story-based and the roguelike elements actually seem like they fit in quite well with the whole dream um, sort of mechanic, how like you are going in and out of dreams. It makes sense for that, but also progressing the story as you're having different dreams and um, going forward that way. So that seems pretty cool. Uh, What else? Uh, This is actually cool. I actually bought this game. This is one of the games that came out the day of and it's called Once Upon a Jester. And the blurb says, travel... Travel the kingdom as Jester with his best friend Sock to improvise theatre shows and perform on stages far and wide. Uh, sing your hearts out, crack jokes, and impress audiences to become the stars of the famous royal theatrical spectacle. And just look, looking at the game, I'm like, it didn't really catch my eye. It looks, it looks, it looks like you know, quite nice, quite colourful, whatever. But until the tr- when the trailer started, just with like the voice acting and the humour. Um, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm, I'm getting this game. So I went and bought it, 20 bucks on the Australian eShop. It was a no-brainer. Um, still haven't got to it though. I was meant to, I wanted to play it last night, but I didn't feel too well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to get into that. <laughs> I better do it before Pokemon. Um, I was talking to my friend, um, uh, uh, Seth Sturgill, who actually hosts, uh, ni- well, Nintendo Drive and All End, a Nintendo podcast. And um, yeah, he said it's about four hours long. So that sounds good to me. <laughs> Next up is uh, Rogue Legacy 2. Also came out the day of the um, indie world. 
And this is one I've been keeping my eye on for a while. It was on PC and Xbox Game Pass, but um, definitely a game that really sort of you want to play on a handheld, at least for me personally. And the blurb reads, today you are a color... Oh, today, <laughs> today you are a colorblind knight. Tomorrow you are a loot playing bard with vertigo. Each air is different, but everyone can be a hero. Earn countless riches, expand your castle, and strengthen your legacy as you uncover the mysteries within an ever-changing kingdom. And Rogue Legacy was just a massive indie hit. And it was probably one of the indie games that really sort of pioneered the rogue genre in the modern era, especially within the indie game community as far as the creators. But um, really sort of hammer this home because a lot of indie games, they are roguelikes now because like realistically, it has a lot of um, meat to your game. You don't have to create just handcrafted levels to you know add to the length. So it works really well in um, Rogue Legacy 2 just with how, you know, basically once your character dies, they're gone forever, but their air takes their place and they have different characteristics that affect gameplay, which is um, just really interesting. So um, I'm keen to give that a look eventually. I don't think it will be anytime soon though. Definitely a wish list game for me though, personally. Next up is WrestleQuest. It got a release date of uh, May 2023. So not a specific date, but we got a, a month, which is good. And this was in a previous Indie World presentation and it caught my eye then, but it's, a, it's like a RPG, but with wrestlers. So the description, uh, tag team with Destiny uh, Pro Wrestling and RPG Fantasy Collider's ultimate pixel-powered adventure, adventure, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, Andre the Giant and tons of other iconic icons uh, guide your way to glory beyond the ring. This hero's journey ain't just an epic quest. It's a wrestle quest. So yeah, I, I'm keen for this one. I'm not a big wrestling fan. I kind of, I think I would be though. I was watching, I was watching every now and again, like it comes up in like YouTube shorts or, um, you know, just, just that like short form video content. I'm like, oh, I'm actually like, just like watching like the men fight each other. <laughs> Something about it. It's just something which like it just like clicks in um in men's head. Like, yeah, go on, go on, go and fight those boys. Look at those big boys fighting each other. <laughs> um same with like the with like the, the martial arts and stuff too. Going down a bit more. Uh another one that came out the day of, a little to the left, and this one actually made me laugh. Um it reads uh sort, stack, and organize household uh, objects into the right spot in a little to the left, a tidy puzzle adventure with a mischievous cat who likes to shake things up. Come enjoy a calming world with an uh, observational <laughs> observational uh, puzzle game with surprises around every corner with charming illustrations and surprising scenarios. A little to the left is a satisfying and curious... And cur- a little to the left is satisfying and curious with... 75 plus delightful levels to the scala. So when I was watching, I was like, is this just like OCD the game? And yes, it is. You're basically just like doing simple puzzles that you might see around someone's house. Like, oh, just like rearranging some books to have the colors just, you know, just be visually pleasing. Or you might be organizing pasta just to make it look pleasing. And it's funny because like the creators are just like in their house and they've obviously very visual based people as far as decorating their house, um, their house. And 
you can tell they're just like very OCD minded. Like, you know, someone will enjoy this. And the, the whole thing about the cat being there just to, to mess things up when you're like, you're very particular about how you want things to look. I thought it was funny, man. So definitely, um, definitely one I want to check out. It's going to be one on my wish list purely, purely for time reasons. If I could just smash through a couple of these games, um, I reckon it'll be one I want to pick up. Maybe one I might even want to um, show Chantel. I think, uh, you know, Chantel and I, we did an episode a few months ago at this point, but I need to start picking out games that I can let her have a go at and maybe even have her come back on the show to report back, see if that's one. I don't know if she's... I don't think Chantel's really that OCD-minded, though. She was just like, ah, that's good enough. She'll just <laughs> put it away. <laughs> so who knows? All right, so let's move on to Nintendo fin- fin- <laughs> Fuck it, I can't even talk. Uh, Nintendo financial results, and um, this one's interesting because a lot more information came out just than you know your normal average sales. A lot of stuff about who's playing Nintendo Switch, stuff about Nintendo online memberships, and um, you know some stuff that personally for me I find really interesting. You got to remember, guys. I don't know exactly what you're like. I assume you're a big bloody nerd for listening to a Nintendo-centric podcast. But remember, I'm hosting a Nintendo-centric podcast. I do this every week by myself. you got to imagine how big a bloody nerd I am. Just a bloody geek. Just dripping with sweat and just nerdiness. So when it comes to just like checking out the numbers and what's going on, you got to understand that, you know, I enjoy this. I enjoy this very much. I enjoy the gaming. I enjoy the business side. I enjoy just um, seeing what's going on. So let's read this from Vox.net. And we'll um, get a bit more insight into what's going on. So there's the highlights from Nintendo's corporate management policy briefing. And that makes it sound pretty boring. But I, I assure you, we've got some stuff to discuss. So the article at Vox reads, After most releases of Nintendo's financial information at, at this time of year, they have either the same day or the following day at Nintendo's corporate management policy briefing in which they run through the information given given in the financial results as a shareholder-friendly way. Uh, there's actually a lot of information and it's quite interesting but probably not a headline material. So we scanned through a massive document to find the highlights. So who's playing Nintendo Switch? We know Nintendo has sold over... Uh, 114 million Nintendo Switch consoles, but how many people are actively playing them? It turns out there's still quite a lot. Over the last 12 months, there's at least 106 million people who have been playing their console. This doesn't include people who don't share uh, their information with Nintendo, so it could be even higher. So the annual amount of players sort of since 2018... um, yeah, the period between launch and 2018 was only 20, 23 million. So you can imagine that over time, you know, it's been a steady increase. It's actually just like it's been on track as you would hope if you were if you had any money in Nintendo, I guess. So that's interesting. So there's a lot of people actually playing Nintendo. And it's always been a question that I've had personally because we're like, all right, Nintendo Switch, it's now sold 114 million units. But... Drew, he's um, including my launch switch, which I traded in, but I've had in my time seven switches. <laughs> so how many people are doing that? Like how many big old geeky nerds who run a Nintendo podcast are buying multiple switches? And it turns out they've probably probably a lot, but just individual users who are spending money on the eShop in the ecosystem is still quite a lot. So um, that's good. 
And another one which is really interesting is uh, basically the age of players that are playing the Nintendo Switch. Um, so just reading on in the article, but who, but who are these people and how old are they? Nintendo says that many users ranging from kids to seniors are playing the Nintendo Switch. And the blow chart shows the spread. It's a massive spike in early 20s um, is interesting as the spike in the early 30s. So this, um, this is the most interesting bit of information for me. Um, so we see just a massive spike in what is to be, I guess, 22 years old by look of looking at this graph. And it's probably twice as many people at, then at 18. And then if you're looking backwards in the graph from 18, it basically goes down and down and down. Um, and like probably the, the less, the least age as far as like what you might expect between um, say, say 10 and uh, 20. The least age is probably like 14 years old. So majority of Nintendo's audience playing on Nintendo Switch in 2022 is people in their 20s, early 30s, and then it sort of drops off um, as you're going towards 40s when it goes, it just drops off a cliff after basically uh, 45. And that's really interesting to me because as as someone who, you know, grew up, grew up with Nintendo, you know, through Pokemon, the Game Boy Advance, all of that, and I've sort of just, you know, stayed on the train the whole way, you know, watching E3s, buying all the consoles, you know, just being a, a good old little consumer as far as Nintendo is concerned. Um, I think by the look of this graph, a lot of people have been in the same boat, my age or even older, or maybe a little bit younger as well, especially since I'm 28. So um, I've sort of, you know, a little, kind of passed the, uh, the massive spike as far as the age group playing. Um, but you'll think that the kids would be like a, a, at least a little bit more comparable to the early 20s. And it's not that surprising when I talk to, you know, 10-year-olds or teenagers, you know, friends that have kids or whatever. You know, a lot of them are just honestly playing free-to-play stuff on iOS, Android, um, or maybe on the PlayStation. But even on the PlayStation, they're playing like the same stuff. They're playing Fortnite, Rocket League, um, Call of Duty Warzone, you know, all of this stuff. I think kids are much more inclined to, you know, jump into this stuff because it's it's quality for the most part, you know, Fortnite, Warzone, all that, you know, it's, it's, it's quality stuff. It's free, it's accessible on multiple devices and all of that. And I think, um, you know, just just seeing this, I think that is um, Nintendo's biggest, biggest hurdle. And it's going to be interesting when I'm in my 40s is... Um, is, is the graph going to be heightened like with people in their 40s? And are these uh, kids going to... Is Nintendo going to have a big problem of early 20-year-olds not playing Nintendo games? So it's really interesting to look at as far as that goes. And even just on a personal sort of um, sort of interest where I'm like, when I'm doing the House of Mario, like, you know, for the most part, who am I talking to? Do I need to reduce my swearing? Do I need to talk in a dumbed-down version because I'm talking to 10-year-olds because only kids play Nintendo? That's certainly not the case from, you know, Nintendo's analytics and even from my own analytics. It seems like, you know, the twenty early 20s are, are the ones who are playing Nintendo. So I'm really interested to see how this evolves going forward and, um, yeah, how it all goes and how it sh- shakes out for series like Pokemon, which bring out a, a title each year to try and catch kids as they're growing up. 
Um, just it's kind of fascinating in some ways. Um, but we'll move on. So how is Nintendo Switch Online doing? There are now 36 million members for Nintendo Switch Online as of September 30th, 2022. That's an increase of 10 million from last year. The number of people playing online is likely higher. However, as the 36 million includes family plans, which can have up to eight people. Um, so this is interesting as well. Uh, you know, just a, a massive sort of growth spurt for Nintendo Switch Online within the span of a year. And it makes sense because there's a lot more people buying Switches. Um, digital games are um, becoming a, a pretty popular option when it comes to people purchasing content for Nintendo. Um, it's also been like a long time. You know, we had like the Nintendo accounts since like 3DS. So, yeah, cool stuff. We'll talk about Nintendo Switch Online a little bit later anyway. So, Splatoon 3 welcomed new players. Uh, Nintendo's pretty happy with how Splatoon 3 is going, selling 7.9 million units. <laughs> uh, this article threw me off. Uh, selling this <laughs> 7.9 million units will do that. I don't know. It just That, that tickled me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> despite all those sales, many people playing the game for the first time are newbies or people that have once played Splatoon in the past are returning to it. While these stats are for Splatoon uh, Splatfest World Premiere, uh, they should give a solid indication of who's buying the game. And it shows that this isn't for Splatoon 3 itself, like the article mentioned, but a lot of the people that checked out the, uh, you know, the, I guess the demo, re- realistically, um, back before the game launched, majority of it was active players and... But um, the next biggest group of people was people that have never played the previous Splatoon 2. So that was um, that was interesting. Um, now we've got sort of uh, a bit more about the Nintendo account and how Nintendo sort of aims to use it. So Nintendo believes in the Nintendo account. Nintendo really wants people to have a Nintendo account, not just people who play their games, but, um, but make use of their IP, theme parks, and playing mobile games and more. Nintendo is investing in a Nintendo account with the help of DNA. They are making a new subster- subster- sub- subsidiary <laughs> to further how the accounts are being used and integrated into other products. And this one interests me because um, we knew that when they were doing the plans for Nintendo World in um, Tokyo, I believe, that you could use your Nintendo account to... Um, basically, you know, do things within the um, theme park itself, you know, gather coins by using the NFC in your phone and tapping it and doing some cool stuff. And we know that you can use it for like your mobile games, buy merchandise, obviously everything that you do on the Switch and um, even like the Wii U and 3DS back when that was relevant. But then it has like the visual content aspect of it too with Nintendo Cross Illumination. So whether you can whether this means like purchasing these like movies and stuff, hmm, not sure. But um, it's interesting nevertheless because I'm really sort of interested to see um, some more sort of just um, visual content for Nintendo um, coming out. I, I really want to see just like uh, Nintendo's franchise is brought to life just through, just through film and animation. I think it's really interesting. This is a section of the article. It's just called cash. <laughs> so Nintendo, Nintendo has a lot of cash on hand and they're using it. 
these things are already announced, but Nintendo hasn't ruled out any further acquisitions. So um, they've got like a section here with the cash uh, utilization. These are things we've known before, but the acquisition of land adjacent to the headquarters, building a second development center. We knew about that um, when that was announced, but they're using it for more land, more resources. The acquisition of SRD as a whole wholly owned subsidiary and uh, Nintendo Pitches, which um, they recently renamed um, a company that they bought. And remember the new packaging for the Nintendo Switch? Um, it's coming. It'll, it'll be using the OLED um, box style for the standard Switch going forward. Um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That, that must have been a real... Uh, short um news week i reckon it's like oh my god the, the box is getting smaller jeez, jeez, wait. <laughs> um oh okay so they've actually had a, a reduction in power consumption for um the previous model as well which wish we wish i think we knew that too but just sort of reminding me so the, the launch day switch it used 12 watts where the current model uses seven watts and the oled model uses six watts which is, um, you know, when it's attached to a TV in the dock. And apart from that, just to end this up, um, Amiibos have sold over 77 million units and um, Nintendo's IP on mobile, as far as, like, you know, Mario Run, Mario Kart Tour, um, Animal Crossing, uh, whatever it's called, the Pikmin game, all of that stuff we've all kind of forgotten about a little bit, is that um, um, 800 million downloads. So not too, not too shabby. I know Nintendo wasn't too happy with that, but yeah, um, I'm I, I really enjoy sort of going through all that stuff. I I like um just just you know getting nerdy, seeing how Nintendo's going, what the information means as far as um w- what it means for us as gamers, what we can see going forward as far as how they're spending their money, how they're making their decisions, why they're making their decisions. Um, so pretty cool. But as far as the games, the top 10 games that have sold on Nintendo Switch and largely we're at the part of Nintendo Switch's life where these games aren't really going to budge apart from the bottom two at this point because uh, I think uh, a lot of the games have cemented themselves to be not knocked out. But at number 10, we have Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee at 14.8, uh, 14.81 million. Then we've got at number nine, Ring Fit Adventure at 14.87 million. So a massive congratulations to Ring Fit Adventure. <laughs> but it's uh, you know, still up there. That's a massive seller. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl at 14.92 million. Uh, number, eight, seven, number six, uh, Mario Party, uh, Super Mario Party at 18.35 million. Mario Odyssey at 24.40 million Pokemon Sword and Shield at 25.37 million Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at 27.79 million Super Smash Brothers Ultimate at 29.53 million Animal Crossing New Horizons at 40.17 million and uh, it's obvious that Animal Crossing was so close to taking over Mario Kart but Mario Kart is just taken off again Mario Kart 8 still remains number one best-selling game on Nintendo Switch at 48.41 million units so over 8 million units um, away from Animal Crossing now so Animal Crossing slowing down sales quite a lot um, and that's kind of just Nintendo's fault to be honest (laughs) 
Uh, Nintendo really hasn't really done anything to help that in some ways, but it is what it is. Um, some other sort of notable games that have sold, you know, games that have came out this year or um, that weren't in the top 10. Uh, Mario Strikers Battle League, it sold 2.17 million copies. We've had Kirby and the Forgotten Land, it sold 5.27 million. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Mario Superstars at 8.07 million. What else? We don't have any data for Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. I hope that game sold well. I really enjoyed that game. That's that one of my favorite games from this year. But um, yeah, pretty much largely not what's um hasn't changed that much. So. I mentioned before a little bit, just going through all of that, that Nintendo and DNA have teamed up to create a new subsidiary uh, called Nintendo Systems. And I'm going to read this from Vox as well. Nintendo has announced that it has once again teamed up with company DNA uh, Limited once again, but this time for something a little different than making mobile games. Nintendo and DNA have established a new joint venture between the two companies. Because of the amount of capital is more than 10% of Nintendo's, it makes a new uh, specified subsidiary of Nintendo. This new subsidiary will be called Nintendo Systems Co. Limited and they will work on Nintendo's online systems. This is an online gameplay but instead the systems behind such things as the Nintendo account. The company says that Quote, based on the expertise accumulated over the seven plus years and the experience of co-developing multiple services based on the Nintendo account, Nintendo and DNA will advance their partnership and establish a joint venture company with the objective to strengthen the digitalization of Nintendo's business. The joint venture company will research and develop as well as create value added services to further enforce Nintendo's relationship with customers. End quote. This new company will work uh, will work to make Nintendo's digital services not only better, but also include uh, research and development to operations to strengthen the digitalization of Nintendo's businesses in addition to the creation of value-added services. So, I don't know. It, it, that's, a little of, uh, that's a lot of business talk there. Obviously, it was um, business results. But what it will ultimately, hopefully, mean for us is just a better service um just more stuff included for our money in the nintendo switch uh, online subscription which is great we're already getting a nice amount of content as far as nintendo 64 games super nintendo games nes games all of that type of stuff um but i think the the biggest strength and the, the coolest thing nintendo was actually doing was actually making unique games specifically for the service that utilized the online aspects um, the biggest one, obviously, was Tetris 99, but we also saw like Mario 35, Pac-Man 99. A lot of these like games that, especially like you know Tetris, it's a it's a known loved game, um, but they they changed it up so much. It was just a big hit, like exclusive to Nintendo Switch. Pretty simple as far as um, just a bit of a like a a change to a beloved classic. Um, but I'd love to see more stuff like that. Like make stuff like. A part of your Nintendo subscription that's that's like um, basically just like it gets people engaged in playing online but isn't just trading Pokemon or playing Mario Kart or Splatoon. Um, I, I really like that. So hopefully we'll see some more stuff like that. Let's move on to some Pokemon news. And um, I, I watched the, the latest trailer and 
for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, and it was it had like the Ed Sheeran's a Celestial song, which I actually quite like. I really like the song, and if you haven't seen the sound clip um, for Celestials, it's really cool to watch as a Pokemon fan, just seeing all the Pokemon animations um, around the real world. Quite quite liked it. Um, but when I watched it, I didn't really see much. I think I watched it late at night or something. I think it it came out in Australia like early in the morning. So I was watching it and I was listening to Ed Sheeran and I didn't really see much about it, but apparently apparently it's like new Pokemon and stuff in it. I'm like, cool. But in some ways I really, I kind of don't want to know. I'm really sort of at the point where even like official stuff, there's so much leaking at the moment. I'm so worried. I want to see something. Um, I haven't yet, but, um, I've seen like a few, um, like on YouTube, I'm going down. I didn't get anything spoiled for me, but um, there was a bit of like a hint, like how many old Pokemon will be returning. It's like, okay, stuff like that. Like even that, I don't want to know. I want to know nothing about this. Um, but uh, let's read about the trailer before we get into some more Pokemon news. So also from Vox, um, and we'll read, then we'll discuss. So it's time for the final pre-launch update for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and we've got some new information coming in from a new trailer overnight. Like most of these updates, we got a couple of new Pokemon, some more gameplay information, and more. Let's run through it. Two new Pokemon were sort of revealed. The Great Tusk and Iron Treads uh, are their names, and you'll find out more about them in the in-game Scarlet and Violet books. These books are records from an expedition and they were written long ago. Okay, there you go. So yeah, they didn't get outright announced, but they were sort of teased, I guess. The first batch of the Terror Raids events were announced uh, announced as well. The first is an EV event from November 26th to the 27th. Then a Charizard with the Dragon Terror type will start on December 1st to the 4th. Um, there's some nice callbacks and goodies for people with previous version versions of Pokemon games on Switch. If you have Pokemon Legends Arceus, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl, Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, Pokemon Let's Go's Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, I didn't expect to read out every single game on Switch just then, you can get different phone cases for your Rotom. And um, yeah, man, cool, man. It was also confirmed that Pokemon Home functionality for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet um, in... Q2 2023 will also be uh, will be available and also be a day one patch to enable online functions. So this version 0.0.1 and require one gig of download space. So yeah, um, I'm not going to go too much into like these um, Pokemon. I know they were teased and stuff. It looks like um looks honestly like an evolution of Donphan. I'm not sure if that's the case, but one of them certainly does look like that. So um, um, I'm keen for the game, man. Don't need to know too much more information as far as that goes. Um, but sticking with Pokemon, this is uh, big news for the anime. So Ash Ketchum, he finally won the World Pokemon Coronation Series. And this is a little bit strange. So I want to know how you guys feel about this, if you guys want to um, um, let me know what you think. But is it a little bit strange that the end of a series, something this big as far as story announcement why are so many outlets just been like ash Ketchum won the pokemon league it's like could you imagine like the same thing for like game of thrones or just any tv series you're watching it hasn't even hasn't even been subbed for english yet this is like just fresh um from japan so i don't know it's a little bit weird um i would have loved just to watch through it and be like is ash gonna win then when he does win you could just imagine how amazing that would be um, that's not the case. I guess it's, um, 
people sort of see it as like an actual sporting event <laughs> where it's like, oh, he won. It's not, it's not like, it's not like if you missed the World Cup or something, it's just, oh, well, don't tell me. I'm just going to watch through every game before we get to the, the cup at the end. So I don't know. But um, someone on Twitter actually posted this um, this battle between Ash Ketchum and Leon. And Leon is the champion from Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I haven't seen any of the rest of the new series that's you know just debuted in Japan. And honestly, I tried watching some of the, the new series on Netflix. It's on Netflix for those that want to give it a go. And I, I just put on a couple of episodes while Lucas is you know, playing and I'm just in the lounge room just, um, you know, playing with him and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'll put some Pokemon on. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite harmless. You know, it is for kids. So I'm sure he'll enjoy it. But just watching it, I'm like, oh, look, it's very, it is, it's very much for kids these days. Like the show, like it really is. And um, just the whole thing of like Ash, just like repeating, he never seems to get anywhere. But it seems like in the Pokemon League, it kind of it seems like that progression I've been looking forward for a long time. I've been looking for for a long time. And watching this last battle, it was Pikachu versus Ash. And just in case you really don't want the spoilers, um, I'm going to do very light spoilers, but skip a minute if you don't want to know spoilers for it. Um, but there's, there's a point in the match where Pikachu is down and out for the count. He's um, gone unconscious. And then Bulbasaur, Squirtle and Charizard sort of like look over his face. And then, like, you know, Pikachu, you know, wakes up in his dream, is looking around. They're supporting him, rooting for him to go on. Then you see uh, Butterfree, Pidgeotto. And then it goes through all of Ash's Pokemon from Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, Sinnoh. And it just goes on and on. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I, I remember these Pokemon. And also, during that time, you're seeing characters as they're watching Ash's match from their location in the world where you're seeing Misty at... Um, um, Silurian, oh, you know what? I, I don't know. I can't get the word out of my mouth, but you know what I mean? She's watching the match from her gym <laughs> and you see Brock, you see Tracy, you see Dawn, May, Max, you see all of like the protagonists throughout the, the years of Pokemon and they're, they still have Ash like, you know, just in mind, top of the heart, they're rooting for him. Even though they've gone on, they've moved on. You know, May's doing a contest. Ash, um, Brock's become professor. Misty's a gym leader. You're seeing just like the progression of all these characters throughout the years. And I'm sitting there on my phone watching this Twitter clip (laughs) and I cried. I I cried. And it's, it's funny because I think I've been crying at some really strange things recently. I think, you know, I, I remember Ryan Betson who, um, who hosts a, a PlayStation podcast for the pop culturists. And I remember when he was talking about God of War um, 2018 and his son, he must have been like a year or two old at that point. And he said, since becoming a father, he cries at some really weird stuff. He's crying all the time. And I, I kind of, I really did sort of remember that being like, well, that's going to be me whenever I decide to have kids. I wasn't thinking about having kids back then. Um, but it's so true. I'm just there like it just bubbled up my emotions just like, oh, my God. I wasn't expecting it because I, I watched the Pokemon anime recently. I'm like, oh, look, I, I don't think the new one's for me. I think um, I think I've got nostalgia for the ones I watched as a kid. But this really did invoke those nostalgic memories. And I, I really actually want to watch the league battles and see how they go. Ash um, 
Ash and Pikachu, they finally did it. Congratulations, Ash. <laughs> Ash and Pikachu, like, you know, some of um some of my most po- positive memories were as a kid going to like the video store and like picking out Pokemon videos and like my my um my granddad who unfortunately, you know, died pretty soon into my life. But what what actually ha- what actually happened with um my grandma and grand uh, granddad on on my mum's side is they moved from the UK to basically be with their one grandson who was me. And I'm so happy that they did because I've got just tremendously positive memories of, of them, even though they um, passed away before I was five, before I even went to primary school. But I associate a lot of just positive memories about them with Thomas the Tank Engine, mainly, to be honest. But um, there was also the point where I was moving into Pokemon, watching it on TV. And I remember like, I think it was, I think it was the VHS where um, Pikachu runs away to be a part of like the Pikachu village. And like, you know, event, obviously Pikachu reunites with Ash and um, you know, that's, that was a really sort of positive story. But I remember having that, that video and um, just got really positive memories of Pokemon. It's, it's positive. It's about teamwork. It's about, you know, working together, loving each other and just like accomplishing your dreams. And that's been something that's been on my mind a lot recently is just like, we're only on this planet for a certain amount of time. And I really want to make the most of waking up each day and making sure that I've got motivation to, you know, really get out of bed and make it the best I can. Um, So then I'm the best person I can be for my son to be the best father, to make him into the best man that he can be. And Pokemon is a massive part of that. It really is. I'm, I'm tearing up even thinking about it. Like I, I love the series so much and it's, um, it's a part of the reason why I like, I'm so passionate about gaming Nintendo and turn into like doing this show. Like it's, um, it's, it's a massive reason. And it's, um, just the fact that this, like this finale happened on the same sort of, uh, the week a brand new Pokemon game came out. I, I, I talked multiple times. Like, look, I'm, I'm like, I mentioned I wasn't that excited about the new Pokemon game. And that was largely because I'm just sort of um, busy, occupied elsewhere. When it comes out, I'm going to dig into it then. And I'll really enjoy it. But as far as like the lead up, I wasn't like digesting every bit of information, even though I kind of was. I was watching all the trailers. <laughs> but uh, like Sword and Shield, I was right up its ass. Like I was like checking out everything, even some leaks and stuff. Um, but really excited about the new games, man. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, Pokemon's awesome. So congratulations, Ash and Pikachu. Well done. (laughs) Um, this might actually be out by the time, um, the podcast is available, but the game awards nominees will be announced on the 14th of September. And it'll be interesting to see what actually gets nominated for game of the year. We've got some great contenders for Nintendo, uh, we've got Splatoon 3, Bayonetta 3, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which could be potential Game Award nominees. Um, you know, stuff like I wouldn't expect... I honestly wouldn't expect any of them in there, but it would be great to see some of them. Um, they will be going up against games on other platforms such as Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, A Plague Tale Reculum, which is actually on Switch if you want to count Cloud, which, yeah, I wouldn't. You can technically spend money on it. 
on Switch. You can give money to the developers for a, a cloud-based version. So I think I actually want to do some more game awards-based content this year just as far as, you know, talking about the nominees and making sure I play um, as many of the games or at least just touch hands on them type of thing. So I'm keen for that. I always enjoy the game awards. Last couple of years, I actually haven't watched it, um, mainly because, I don't know, Jeff Keighley with how the ads and the length and how it's focused on announcements rather than the actual awards themselves. And I understand the business reasons for that. People aren't going to tune in just for a, an awards ceremony. Unfortunately, there's going to be so much more buzz around announcements. That's just how the games industry seems to work. Um, and content creators like myself and others on YouTube or whatever, they don't really help help either because they probably just ignore, <laughs> ignore uh, what's going on there. Um, we got some a bit of a tidbit from Shigeru Miyamoto as well. And he's basically saying that it's easier than ever to bring back classic games um, from the back catalogue to modern day consoles. And I'm going to read this article from my Nintendo News. And the article reads, Nintendo's legendary game designer Shigeru Miyamoto has taken part in the Q&A session following the company's latest financial results. And one thing he touched on is the ability to bring classic Nintendo games to the current system, the Nintendo Switch. Mr. Miyamoto said that today's development environment is becoming more standardized. It is easier than ever to bring them, uh, bring their back catalog to the Switch and their future systems. However, he reiterated that the company's true mission is, is to create brand new experiences for its huge user base and then they show off their next system. They want to showcase new games which they could not be done on the current system, the Nintendo Switch. Quote, in the past, we provided a service known as the Virtual Console that allowed users to play older games on new hardware, um, yeah, on new consoles. As, uh, as long as the hardware remained untouched, those games could continue to be played. However, publishing rights to Nintendo games are complicated. We have said that we would only add titles after securing the necessary rights. Of course, video games developed for dedicated consoles were created in different development environments for each console. As a result, the hardware changed the development environment could not necessarily been reused. And so the video games that had been released on older uh, consoles could not be played on newer consoles without uh, additional modification. However, recently the development environment had been increasingly become more standardized and we now have an environment that allows users to enjoy older games on newer consoles more easily than ever before. However, Nintendo's strength is in creating new video game experiences. So when we release new hardware in the future, we would like to showcase unique video games that only could be created with pre-existing hardware. That uh, could not be existed with, yeah, could not exist with, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so... Um, it's interesting from, I think this just interests me just purely because so many games we would like to see on on Nintendo Switch, you know, from consoles like the GameCube, Wii, you know, why not? Um, stuff like that. But um, as easy it is, um, Nintendo doesn't want to. But that's okay. We'll work it out. We've talked about that before. Another uh, quick little tidbit is a uh, Timmy uh, Studio Group who is basically responsible for Pokemon Unite and a bunch of other mobile games, is teaming up with um, Capcom to do a Monster Hunter game. And this is from their press release on timmystudios.com. Los Angeles and Tokyo um, 
Oh, but not. Where are we here? Uh, so, um, yeah, Timmy and Capcom are joining forces to create a new mobile game for the iconic Monster Hunter series. The in-development game will reproduce the hunting um, actions and define the Monster Hunter series and offer, offers players a new game experience unique for mobile devices and phones. The first-time partnership between Timmy and Capcom will combine the experiences and strengths of both sides, allowing Monster Hunter to scale to more platforms with an aim to give global hunters, experienced or new, the freedom to hunt as they desire anytime and anywhere. And I don't know, I'm not a big fan of, um, you know, Timmy just uh, as a group just because it's um, a part of Tencent, you know, purely because of that, but... Um, Pokemon Unite, as far as the product or the product that I'm more aware of, seems to be like it's fun. It's it's a good game, but the monetization is a little bit steep for my liking. Um, but I'm interested to see what they do for Monster Hunter. I think uh, Monster Hunter could become a great sort of mobile game with um, you know, the the whole loop. And Monster Hunter is a a mobile, well, sorry, a portable series that uh, really shone on the PSP and um, 3DS and. And, uh, you know, now the Switch with uh, Monster Hunter Rise. So, keen to see what that looks like when it um, comes into f- uh, fruition. Um, next up, we got some some random Twitter news, which uh, is just funny. So, for those that don't know, um, the effects that um, Elon Musk put into place, what well, feels like just like a couple of weeks ago, honestly, um, <laughs> where you can now um, buy Twitter Blue for $12 here in Australia, and you get a, verif- a verification tick mark. And that's all well and good. You know, the verification tick was just like, you know, we are Nintendo. We are the proper account. You get a tick. Pretty simple stuff. Like, it's it, you know. And, you know, old Drew Agnew, does he need a verification tick? Not really. No one's going to try and impersonate Drew um, because, you know, Drew's a bit boring, really. You don't want to go, oh, I'm Drew, I'm a bloody willy wally. So, nah, you don't want to do that. But um, now that people can just buy a verification tick, uh, everyone just went sort of nuts as far as doing parody accounts online. And um, Nintendo did get um, hit by this one. And this was so funny to watch purely because, um, you know, people were making accounts like Nintendo of America, the verification tick market. It's just like a picture of Mario putting the finger up. At, um, at you off the screen, I guess. And uh, someone even commented saying like, Mario would never do this. And then Nintendo of America, who is a parody account, not just, um, not actually Nintendo of America, but they just reply, well, he did. <laughs> and it was so funny to watch. And there's so much of that going on um, online, just like stuff like pointing at Elon Musk, all of that. Um and you can imagine like Nintendo as an advertiser wouldn't be too happy because realistically Twitter is the social media that I feel like Nintendo and these companies can, can drop. But also, with um, now think about it, Nintendo being focused on like biggest market like 20-year-olds, maybe they are on Twitter. I'm not too sure. I'm not... I always feel like I'm behind the times when it comes to social media. A lot of um, the people I work with, they're on Snapchat, they're on Facebook, they're on... Instagram, but mainly mainly Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat. I had a I had a bad experience when um when I was on Snapchat. I'll I'll say this much. Um, you know, Chantel and I, we had a long distance distance relationship when we first started, and uh, you know, Snapchat. You know, the pictures disappear after a little bit of time, and that's great. You can uh, you can take some photos. Your partner can be like, yeah, nice. 
and then it disappears forever. But Snapchat, you know, as the as the old man um, I am, <laughs> I get I get a I get I get a request for a photo. I'm like, okay, okay, I can do that. Take the photo, um, and I'm like, how do I send this thing? Like, they added so many features, and apparently Snapchat at the time they added stories to Snapchat. And uh, Drew put this um, this picture that should not have been a story as his story for over 24 hours. And um, when I, f- I got a text message from a, a female friend who's like, you might want to check your story there, mate. And uh, I swiftly deleted my account. Yeah. So I'm not on Snapchat. So um, if you're wondering what the photo was, use your imagination and uh, you'll be right probably <laughs> once you come to that conclusion. <laughs> Oh dear. So we've got some, we've got a couple of other stories that I want to run through quick. Um, just, uh, just some interesting sort of um, information about Metroid Prime since uh, it's the it's the twentieth anniversary of the the GameCube classic. Um, that um, you know the devs were talking on Twitter about how um, uh, one of the the prototypes for the GameCube that they put uh, the dev kit in the freezer. Um, while they were trying to run patch code, I thought that was quite quite an interesting uh, story, um, just because you you can imagine just trying to work with some of this technology back then, chucking it in the freezer just to just to work on it. And I, I do wonder, like with um you know Nintendo's next console and the PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X, like how much like how good are the dev kits now? Like, do they have to um try and do that? And also um, an article on gamesindustry.biz titled um, Mick Gordon accuses uh, Doom Eternal executive producer of lying about sound tr- uh, soundtrack problems. And I was going to go into this, but I think I'll leave it here. Um, but it, it was an interesting story because um, Bethesda basically said that Mick Gordon, um, who was um, behind all the music in Doom and Doom Eternal, uh, basically didn't deliver on, you know, um, deadlines, all of that, as far as getting the the product to them. Um, but it turns out Bethesda and some of the um, producers there, um, they were a bit more to blame. And there was an hour-long sort of read on Medium, um, which is a, a blog blogging website where it went into great detail about what actually happened. So if anybody wants to go and read that, go and check it out on gamesindustry.biz. It's a, just a, a really interesting story about what happened with the development of... Um, um, Doom Eternal and the uh, the soundtrack as far as what came out in the special edition because with like the special edition apparently like obviously I'm not into Doom very much but um, the special edition um, it was like a really weird sort of mix because when you get a, a soundtrack you expect it to like you know fade out at the end and um, you know be more of like a song because how it works in games it, the music dynamically sort of changes depending on what scenario in or um, the weather or you know what's going on but we're not the soundtrack you just want to hear the actual song and um, have it as it is but it seems like with the soundtrack it just got like ripped straight out the game and it just like each track just like ends out of nowhere really strange story so i i just wanted to point people towards that because um we've had controversy as far as you know, the bayonetta 3 voice acting um whole scenario not long ago before launch and I think that that story turned out to be like, all right, you're missing some sort of important information as far as um, what you're trying to battle for. 
um, in that. Like it wasn't just $4,000. Um, you're probably still getting ripped off, but it's not as bad as what you're saying. Whereas I feel this one, you know, uh, Mick Gordon has has the uh, the chops to basically show you exactly. He's got the receipts pretty much. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the news. We got, we got through that one. Hooray, hurrah. Um, we haven't got the Reggie's Rec Room a little bit. I just want to sort of discuss, uh, you know, the previous Pokemon games on Nintendo Switch and a bit of a gut check for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet as we go out go throughout this week and um, go to the new game. So, Reggie, take it away. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. Ooh, I just downed a Powerade while Reggie was talking. And you can have that that wine or that scotch or whatever you're having all to yourself, mate. I need some hydration. That's for sure. Wow. Actually, I might take the opportunity to like clear my nose out a bit too. I'm going to be snuffed to you guys. Give me just one second. Oh, that's better. Anyway, sorry about that, guys. Sorry to, to keep you waiting there, but for um, I don't know, the last uh, five years has actually been a pretty great time to be a Pokemon fan, honestly. Um, I've really been enjoying the Pokemon games over the course of Nintendo Switch, and I feel really positive about Scarlet and Violet as well. Fingers crossed, eh? But let's go back through all the Pokemon games with a... Uh, and let's start with Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. And I was really excited about these games in 2018. I wanted to... It, it was kind of that... I remember just playing... Oh, what was that? What was that mobile game? Oh, I forgot. But I, I really enjoyed that. So this is the idea of um, like a full Pokemon game on Switch. I could not wait. And while Let's Go, you know, it was like, it was Pokemon Light. It was only like the original games pretty much, just in 3D with some new like motion control catching mechanics and all that. I think it was really fun and what it brought to the series. It was just like all about, all about catching to level up and... Um, Got a mosquito here. Go away, man. Go away. <laughs> Bloody bugs around here everywhere. But I absolutely loved um, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, Let's Go Pikachu. And a lot of people sort of like want a sequel. I'm kind of happy just with what the Let's Go games represent just by themselves. It's just like a really great place to um, come into the RPG series if you are a Pokemon Go player. And I really do appreciate that, how someone can just get into the series, pick it up on their phone... And then move over to the Switch if they want to spend 500 bucks. <laughs> I got the mosquito, by the way. It's really distracting me. I don't. I really don't want to get eaten while I'm recording the show. Um, but I played probably like a hundred hours of Let's Go Pikachu. Um, just shiny hunting. Shiny hunting was a lot of fun in this. It's one of the first games where the shiny actually popped up in the overworld, and. I, I spent a lot of time just doing that. The mechanics for upping your chances, doing like the catch combos was really great. And I think that it it made me like really want that for future Pokemon games that were a little bit more traditional, like we got with um, Pokemon Sword and Shield, which uh, honestly we didn't get in those games, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, yeah, for the most part, not like that much anyway, but 
Really pretty great games. Looked great. A um, lot of fun. For the next year, we got Pokemon Sword and Shield. And these were the Generation 8 games. Big move. Big first Pokemon games on the Nintendo Switch. So a lot of um, a lot of us were like really hyped about it. You know, checking the game out at E3 and all that. And, you know, with like the, the big sort of controversy as far as what happened in the Pokemon community where, you know, uh, this was the first time the producers and Game Freak made the decision to limit the amount of Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield because uh, the games were getting a little bit too big as far as the amount of Pokemon, the amount of forms, the amount of everything in the game. And it was a concern for me mainly because the 3DS game, so they, they left a bit to be desired for me personally. Um, and the idea of like missing out on Pokemon when we're already seeing sort of cuts in other part of, parts of the games, it was concerning to me. Um, but ultimately, I think it was a it was a fine decision by Game Freak to make that decision. And while it would be cool to have all the Pokemon in there still, of, of course, you've got more variety, more sort of uh, combinations as far as what you can make your party for competitive and stuff. I think it did make a positive change to competitive battling. Um, as far as um, what can be what can be utilized as far as your team goes, and it also reminded me a bit of like the old days as well, like with Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, for example. Um, the idea of having a Charmander, especially before uh, Fire Red Leaf Green, like the Red and Blue remakes came out, like the idea of having a Charmander, Bulbasaur, or Squirtle in Ruby or Sapphire, it was unheard of. And they were so rare. It was like they were on the, they were from another part of the world, which they were. Like, they weren't in Hoenn. Um, so a lot of, like, Pokemon like Butterfree, Pidgeotto, they were just not available in those games. It made them feel so special. And that, it was kind of lost. Like, that feeling was lost in the current 3DS games in some ways. Like, it, you had more options. You were able to actually catch them all. Um... But um, now with like the, ch- the changes, like it restricts it, but uh, it makes some Pokemon feel a little bit more special. And when they do the DLC and they add like um, Pokemon like Metagross and Salamence and um, some of these Pokemon that weren't in the base game, the, the 400 that were included in the Pokedex, it made them feel special. Like, oh my God, he's back. Oh, we can use him. Like how's Metagross going to shake up the... Um, like the comp- competitive format now that he's been introduced and the new legendaries like in the the crown tundra when like all all of the legendaries come back so oh my god what's going to happen here is it going to be just a big mess or is there going to be some interesting dy- dynamic now that kyogre and groudon have returned um so yeah i think it was um it was cool and just the games themselves like sword and shield i know some people some people love them some people hate them i personally fall in the camp that i love them i love pokemon sword and shield I love the British um, influence on Gala. I love that the whole thing is like based around like sports teams. Every gym is like a its own soccer stadium, its own team. The gym leaders rotate depending on the the league um, leaderboard. Uh, I love the whole thing about it, man. It's um it's great, and it does sort of show you know a bit of a template of what will what Game Freak went to do in Pokemon Legends Arceus and uh, Scarlet and Violet as far as um, the open world sections um, in the middle of the m- middle of the map. And, you know, looking back on it, and well, not even looking back on it at the time, it's very bare bones, but the first time you set set your foot in there and you see the Onyx and it's just so much stronger than you and 
Um, you know, you can take it down using potions and a bit of strategy or you can run away from it and try and catch something else. And I remember getting a ninjask, which was like twice my level and it just kicked everything's ass. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, it's actually pretty cool that you can go around and do what you want. You can take down a massive Pokemon. You can get that massive experience boost or you can try and catch something really powerful. But with how that game worked, it's just like if there's a Pokemon with a like a level above yours, the, the catch chance just goes right down, which was an interesting mechanic that they've, they've introduced since then. It was in Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl as well when you go to the underground and you get like a really strong Pokemon, but your chances of catching it aren't very good because, uh, yeah, of how the mechanics work. So Pokemon Sword and Shield, really love them. Uh, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. Um, these are probably probably my least favorite Pokemon games ever. And I actually, I, I love every Pokemon game. I find something to love in every single one, even my least favorite games in the series. Um, and I love Diamond and Pearl. I just feel like Diamond and Pearl deserved a lot better remake than this. This was just like a, this was literally remaking the game, but not improving it. In, in my eyes you do get like the modern sort of you know benefits of the switch yes you, but it's missing like the global trading system to me i prefer the look of the ds game um and stuff like that but i i, I just i just wish that it got a, a bit more of a glow up but i understand if it was like pokemon legends Arceus that was taking you know the law of Sinnoh very seriously going back, back in time to when it was known as, um, Hisui. Um, you know, that, that, that made up for it for me, but those games by himself, pretty disappointing as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I enjoyed, I played through it. I enjoyed it. I relived Diamond Pearl and caught some shinies and that's what I kind of needed from it, I guess. Um, but Pokemon Legends Arceus, I've, I had so much fun with it this year and it's definitely a game that's going to be on my um, game of the year list. Um, and whether it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting whether it's going to be above or below um, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. But it's going to be, I really, enjoy, it was so much fun. You, you can look at it and be critical about the graphics, how it runs. Yes, th- those are factors that are important to a game. But I was... It's just the fact that I was so immersed in the game and I was having so much fun with it and I could overlook those things even while I was playing it and I d- didn't even think about it. Because a lot of these things, like you see the pop in and uh, like it just takes you out of some games. Like you're just like, you're just thinking about, oh, I need more RAM. Like <laughs> but the, well, you can always think about like what causes that? Well, I am anyway. Um, but even in that game, I didn't think about it. I was just like, I've got to sneak around this Pokemon. It's running away from me. I get on my Pokemon and I did like a trick shot, throw the actual Pokeball, get it. Got like a critical capture. It was, um, it was great. And the story was, um, it was interesting. It didn't sort of go as hard as I wanted it to. I thought there was a, a great sort of uh, twist in the game towards the end of the story, which I thought was very cool. Um, but it didn't go as hard as I wanted. Like you had different forms of power kit and Diagla, which I, he didn't really get a reason or lore or anything behind it, really. They just had them. I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed by that. But overall gameplay and the template that it's set up, really excited about. I hope we get some more Legends games. They go, I guess, back in time to um, in other regions, like, you know, doing that for Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, Sinnoh, Unova. Like, 
that's pretty that's pretty exciting just the whole idea of that you can um definitely definitely check that out yeah and uh is that all the pokemon games jeez Louise. well the mainline pokemon games anyway but i guess a bit of a gut check about how i feel about violet and scarlet i'm when when i first saw these games um i think this is honestly what turned turned me off like it didn't turn me off but it made me go I'm not in love with how it looks. It's purely because like the whole school aspect and the fact that you got like a bucket hat and it looks like you're like, you're like a little kid, <laughs> like going through like childcare or something. That's what, that's what it looks like to me. I'm like, and I just hope I like within the first hour, I can go and take off the hat, get out that goddamn school uniform and just look, look like a normal person. <laughs> I don't want to be running around as a kid. So, um, once I like get my character customization going, uh, I think I'll be fine. Um, but honestly, it just looks so looks so childish to me, um, which is weird because it's Pokemon. It's, it's you know it's mainly for kids <laughs> and uh, twenty eight year olds like me. Um, but yeah, that, that's what sort of turned me off. But the the whole the whole thing of like the open world, I've been asking for that for forever. Um, like Sun and Moon. I, I didn't enjoy them because it was all just like very linear progression. Go here, talk to this person, yap, 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 clicking through dialogue. Um, you know, there's not, there wasn't that much sort of room to explore. You're going along each route. You can sort of find all the items and different Pokemon in the grass and all that, but you can't just like explore and see what's going on. And this is just a completely different take as far as what those 3DS games were and, even Sword and Shield, apart from the open the open areas, um, this game is all of that, which I'm really excited about. I I just want to be set through uh, set free, and do some gyms, do some challenges, take on Team Stars. You can do that in, like in any order you want, and that's really exciting. You can be like, I want to go at the top of that hill. There might be a new Pokemon you've never seen there before. You can go to the snowy area, the desert. You can go where you want, catch the team you want and um going into it blind like i am i don't know what my starter is going to evolve into um if i want like a fire pokemon i can look on the map a volcano probably a fire pokemon there and just play it like that play it like if you were someone in like if you were actually someone in paldea adventuring you can do it in whatever order you want so really excited about that um um was a little bit disappointed about how the Pokemon Legends Arceus mechanics weren't um, coming over as far as catching mechanics go. Seems like very traditional how you run into a Pokemon, the battle initiates, and then it goes on from that way. I would like to see those mechanics sort of um, mix up a little bit more. I like how you do the normal battles. I like how abilities and all of these um, underlying mechanics are back, but I am a little bit concerned about just um, just that, that real fun factor of uh, throwing Pokeballs in that how that's gone, but it also makes sense because you only got access to like um, Pokeballs, was it um, Wing Balls and Heavy Balls. Um, you didn't have like all, all of like the different sort of combinations of Pokeballs that you would have in a traditional Pokeball, um, Pokemon game, like Timer Balls, Quick Balls, Ultra Balls, Great Balls. Like, you know, obviously the Great Balls and Ultra Balls were in um, Legends Arceus, but just uh, the amount that it's a little bit harder to work when you've actually got to throw them physically and how that how that sort of goes into um, how the mechanics of throwing them actually works in these games. So it makes sense why it's just how it is. 
um, which is fine. I think it's going to be good. And if these experiences are different and they're going to be just two pillars that come out um, interstitially, I think that's 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 fine. Um, you don't need you don't need the Legends games to be a um, like a, a mainstay competitive. Um, do the gym leaders and all that. You can have the two different versions. I'm I'm quite happy with that. Um, so yeah, man, I'm really excited about it. I, like I said, I, I don't know, like I, I know like a bunch of mechanics and features and Pokemon and that have sort of been leaked. So definitely stay on your toes. If you don't want to see any, any of that, I haven't taken any of the precautions. So like, I haven't like muted words on Twitter or even muted anything on YouTube. YouTube's usually the one that gets you in the thumbnails. And I don't understand why YouTubers do that. Like, like, if you if you want to see it, like you will click on the video. If they if you do like the teasing thing, like oh look, we've come and look at the new Pokemon in here. Like, if people want to see it, they'll do it. And you're probably more likely to click on your video. Where if you put them in the actual thumbnail, it's just like I'll never I'll never watch you ever again. I'll like just fuck you, dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I haven't run into that yet. But I Sword and Shield, I did run into that. So, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, very positive about it. Um, but ultimately, I think it will have it will be a pr- pretty predictable game as far as what I think it will be. It'll be a fun Pokemon game. Exploration would probably be, probably be awesome. Have a cute little story, nice nice characters along the way. Um, but it'll probably run into those technical problems. I dare say, um, from what we had in the previews, how the menus and that were a bit sluggish. Um, and just like you know, the overall world, just you know, just looking like a like a Switch game at this point. Um, but like I said, with Legends Arceus, it wasn't a problem for me either. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Awesome stuff. Let's jump into the Red Coin releases. Bunch of stuff came out this week on Nintendo Switch. So let's have a look. So the first one is Sifu. And Sifu, you can get it for 60 bucks on the Australian eShop. And Sifu is the story of a young Kung Fu student on a path of revenge, hunting for the murderers of his family. Um, one against all, he has no allies and countless enemies. He has to uh, rely on his unique mastery of Kung Fu as well as a mysterious pendant to prevail and uh, preserve his family's, family's legacy. This came out at the start of the year on PlayStation and PC. And uh, seeing it on Switch at the Nintendo Direct uh, a month or so ago, it looks like it took a massive hit graphically. Um, but I'm not sure about um, how it holds up. But it's definitely definitely a game I want to check out. I was going to pick it up um, on PlayStation. But um, I was going to get the physical copy. But I think my local EB games didn't have it. So I went, oh, okay, don't worry about it. But yeah, it's definitely one I've got my eye on. I'd like to see how the Switch version works. If not, I'll get it on PlayStation. Next up, we got Tactics Ogre Reborn. You can get it for 70 bucks on the Australian eShop. And based on 2010's release, the game features improved graphics and sound, as well as an updated game design, bringing new life to Tactics Ogre that remains true to its roots. Tactics Ogre veterans will experience a game that surpasses their fondest memories while playing... while players... New to Tactics Ogre, will discover a game unlike any other they've played. Reborn and deeper than ever, this game enables players to immerse themselves in a world of intrigue of Tactics Ogre like never before. 
And Tactics Ogre, it's always a, a strategy game that I always hear about, that um, a lot of people are excited about, is returning to modern consoles. A little bit of um, a little bit of scubbaloo about the art style. Basically, the pixels have been sort of washed over to look um, more like a more cartoony or whatever. So interesting in that regard. But to me, it looks nice. Um, not as nice if it was like just like nice vibrant pixel art. But um, I would like to see that filter maybe turn like be able to be turned off. But um, definitely, a wish this game for me to just check out what uh, what all the what all the hotness is about. Next up, we got Atari 50, the anniversary celebration. Get it for 60 bucks. And join the celebration. Atari 50, the anniversary collection takes you on an interactive journey through 50 years of video games. The heart of Atari 50 is the interactive timelines, which combine history, uh, historical trivia, digital artifacts, over 60 minutes of new interviews, documentary footage, and playable games in one cohesive experience. So I've been hearing like a lot of uh, good sort of um, talk about this game on Twitter and it would have been one I would have just looked over but like, oh, look, it's another compilation of Atari games. Oh, cool, but I think what makes it really cool actually is just like all the documentaries, behind the scenes stuff you can check out on this. So if you're, if you're into like, you know, gaming history and um, just maybe Atari in general, um, pretty cool one to check out. Next up, we've got Sonic Frontiers. You get it for a hundred bucks on the eShop. And uh, experience like Sonic, experience Sonic like never before. Worlds are colliding in Sonic the Hedgehog's newest high-speed adventure. Search of the missing Chaos Emeralds, um, Sonic becomes stranded on an ancient island, teeming with unusual creatures. Battle hordes of powerful enemies as you explore a breathtaking world of action, adventure, and mystery. Accelerate to new heights and experience the thrill of high-velocity open-zone platforming freedom as you race across five massive Starfall islands. Jump into adventure, wield the power of the ancients and fight to stop these new, and I've got to go see more, these new mysterious foes. Cool. Um, so Sonic Frontiers, it's, um, this is a game on my Christmas list and typically I never actually ask for games for Christmas because I usually go and buy them all, but I've got like a, a few games that I actually want to I've been wanting to leave to Christmas because I know I've got more time when it comes to the Christmas holidays. And uh, something that a lot of people always ask me now as an adult, like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, oh, I don't really know, man. I don't know what I want for Christmas. But this year, I've got three games, well, uh, specifically for the PlayStation, actually. I want to get Sonic Frontiers on PlayStation 5, um, The Last of Us Part 1. Massive Last of Us fan, but just in September, didn't really feel the the need to play the last of us again and uh god of, god of war ragnarok which i'm really excited about as well but uh sonic frontiers mainly want to play it on playstation uh because of just like the technical limitations of switch you know switch it, it runs at 30 frames a second whereas on the consoles it's at uh, 60 frames and for a game that's so frenetic and fast you know you want all those frames just to really give you that gameplay experience um but typically Sonic Frontiers, it's reviewed well on Metacritic. It's sitting at a 73 and a user score of 8, uh, 8.7, um, which is good. It was, it's, it's kind of, um, it hit the bare minimum of what I was hoping for. I'm like, I hope it's just good. I hope it gets like good review scores and it seems like it has. I'm just going to pull this, um, pull this uh, from the review of a Nintendo World Report for Sonic Frontiers. 
They say, the story is surprisingly engaging for long-time fans, even uh, if the writing is incredibly awkward at times. Combat, especially with larger enemies, is engaging, even if it could use some basic quality of life changes. Sonic Frontiers has a lot of issues that is constantly tripping over, but I cannot emphasize enough that I hope the series continues in this direction. For all of its rough edges, this is probably the most fun I've had playing 3D Sonic since 1999. Um, so I don't know. That sums it up pretty well for me. Like that's I, I just want a good time running around a, a big open zone area as Sonic. That sounds like fun to me. Doing some puzzles, doing some um, like speed challenges, all that. Pretty excited about it. Pretty cool. So that's uh, the Red Queen recommendations. And uh, before we get out of here, let's go to Sakurai's phone booth and uh, listen to a message from my good friend Josh of Nintendovania. He's uh, put in the voice message. For us to listen to. So, pretty excited. Let's listen to Josh. Konnichiwa. Dairanto Smash Brothers director Sorano Sakurai desu. Alright, Josh, you got the phone, mate. Uh, what you got to say? Hey, Drew, it's Josh again from Nintendvania. Um, my question for you this week. Um, in my episode, I'm going to be talking about the 12 months since the NSO. Uh, expanded with the expansion pack we get 64 games we get mega drive games and we get uh, selected dlc on some nintendo games just wondering what you thought of the service whether it's worth it now uh 12 months later yeah well thank you very much for your question josh it, it's um josh is really actually quite kind when it comes to uh submitting these questions he he just gives me like one without even asking on a facebook messenger each week so I really appreciate it, Josh. I didn't even ask for questions or anything this week. So I really, um, really appreciate the time and the time and the effort it, it takes you to uh, to do it. But um, Nintendo Switch Online is it worth the money? And you know, it's it's very subjective. But for me, as a a power user of Nintendo Switch, someone who really enjoys Nintendo content, I think it's a no-brainer when it comes to someone like myself. And like thirty bucks a year, you get Nintendo Switch Online. Um, you, know, you, you can play online, that's what I meant. But um, you also get um, Super Nintendo games, access to the NES games. And it's a little bit tricky because as, as far as, depends who you are, I think it's a bit rough, like say in Pokemon, which we are talking about earlier. It's a little bit rough if you've got to spend money just because you want to trade online or you want to do a max raid battle. It's like, oh, that, that, that's rough. But it makes a little bit more sense when it's like a full-on Mario Kart race or playing super smash brothers or some of these games that are a little bit more engaging with online communities and stuff but i can see someone who's like just wants to do a little bit of animal crossing catching up or whatever it's like kind of sucks we got to spend money but it is 30 bucks australian so it's not too bad when it comes to the expansion pass that's where like a lot of the value comes in the price doubles um to 60 bucks i believe here in australia but like for me I want the Mario Kart DLC, that's included. The Animal Crossing DLC, I wanted to check out, that was included. They chucked in the Splatoon 2 Octopath, ex- not Octopath, um, Octo, Octoling expansion. They chucked that in. Um, so just right off the bat, I think I think that was sort of great value for money. And um, with uh, like Nintendo 64, um, I think I think that was, was great, but that was included too. So look, for me, it, it is great value, but... A lot of my frustration when it comes to Nintendo Switch Online is just clarity about 
what is the service? Like, what is Nintendo Switch Online? It doesn't really make any sense. Like, it needs to be, and and this is, I don't know. I'm not I'm not um, the marketing officer or anyone at Nintendo, so it really shouldn't bother me. But when it comes to like the other services, like PlayStation Plus, and I know PlayStation have really sort of made this not so clear after doing PlayStation Plus Essentials, PlayStation Plus Extra, and PlayStation Plus Premium. Um, so it doesn't make as much sense now, but before <laughs> when it was just PlayStation plus with the one tier, it was like, what is PlayStation plus? You get online, you get cloud saves and you get, uh, free, free games every month. And that made sense. Like it was just like, Oh, you know what you're signing up to? You're getting some games, you're getting access to some online features and you're all good and good to go. But when it comes to Nintendo, it's like, I wish they were a little bit more clear when it comes to like the amount of Nintendo 64 games you get each week um, when they're going to be dropping, for example, it just seems a little bit random. Um, and just like, I, I, like I said earlier, I really enjoy how they put out stuff like Tetris 99, Pac-Man 99, these sort of experiences that are just unique to Nintendo switch online and that Nintendo, Nintendo audience can get into and really rally around. But as far as, um, as far as that goes, that doesn't really apply to me, but I I really do enjoy it. It's um it's a it's a good membership. There's a lot of room for improvement, but for the the big Nintendo fan, I think it's I think it's worth the cash. But um that sort of depends whether you use it as well. Because I know like Josh, like you use you use it a lot for playing the classic games. But for someone who's like, oh, I don't really want to play those games, like. You know, you just want to play the new stuff on on Switch, which is probably a majority of people, honestly. Um, like how much value are you getting? Don't know. Don't know. But it it is a little bit frustrating how just, I think most of us just want like a better online experience when it actually comes to playing online games. And f- for me, sometimes I, I forget you can even play online on Switch apart from Mario Kart. <laughs> Not that I forget literally, but... Um, I just don't think the play online when it comes to Switch um, a lot of the time. And that's purely just because um, it's just a little bit frustrating as far as the experience goes. But yeah, I think it's good value. Yeah. So guys, we're fairly far into the show and that's because it's ending here. So everybody, thank you so much for listening to episode 239 of the house of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast. I appreciate your time listening to the show. And uh, I thought let's test your Nintendo knowledge. How much you know about Nintendo really? So I'm going to play this sound and uh, let me know what game it's from, whether it's from, I don't know, a Mario game. Maybe it's from a Legend of Zelda game. Maybe it's something completely completely else. But let me know what the sound is and what game it's from. So here it is. Whoa, what's that? <laughs> so one of my favorite games of all time. So I hope you know what it is. Let me know in the um, in the episode comments on youtube.com slash ruby on an Apple Cod... <laughs> cod past. <laughs> on an Apple podcast five-star review or in our discord community there's an invitation in the show notes just for you and uh your support make this house a home but my hospitality has run out the doors to the house of mario closed (laughs) gadget later